Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. The book of Genesis, of course, fascinates me, always did since I was a young boy when I read it several times in my uh, Catholic catechism uh, classes. Uh, But explain to us your thoughts of what the fallen angels were. I think that the fallen angels, uh, again, as outlined in the the biblical narrative, uh, were were part of this this rebellious faction that aligned itself with with an angel who's variously called Satan, Lucifer, um, who quite literally wanted to dethrone and be God. In other words, replace Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Um, Sounds like a coup d'état, doesn't it? That's exactly what it is. I mean, if you want to, if you couch it in political terms, that's exactly what it is. Uh, and, and I think doing that kind of helps us understand um, some of the mechanics of what's going on here, and just in, in some of the gravity, in fact, of what they chose to do. Uh, but of course, you know, most of us, whether we've gone to Sunday school or catechism or whatever, uh, we, or even on a popular level, we sort of know that the story. Uh, about how a third of those angels were cast out of heaven, and the uh, the faction that we find, you know, involved in Mount Hermon and the the, the, the watchers and their progeny, the the giants, uh, really brings uh, a, a a crucial part of that coup, I think, into focus, because it has ramifications for not only the pre-flood world, but but later periods in history as well. If if we're to believe what Enoch tells us about um, the giants, then they're, they're disembodied spirits uh, were at least part of the demonic hierarchy. In, in fact, the, the same word usage uh, that Enoch used, Enoch says un- unclean spirits, uh, and the same kind of, of word is used for, for demonic spirits. Um, in fact, all throughout uh, the New Testament, from Matthew all the way to Revelation, uh, the there's a... Um, uh, uh, the designator uh, in front of Numa, I think it's. Uh, um, that's all right. Move on. Antitharkos, yeah, I think that's what it is. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the the ramifications are, are wide ranging for human society, um, all because of this angelic coup that took place. Now these bones of these hundred foot giants, somebody somewhere has got to have them, don't you think? Yeah, that's a great question, George. Um, you know, if there if there are remnants of them, if they're you know fossilized or preserved through uh, some sort of uh, uh, process that we're not familiar with, um, you know, they may they may look like petrified trees or something like that. Um, you know, we we, mm-hmm. we we don't know for sure. Another theory that I have is that they may not decompose in the same way that uh, flora and fauna that are indigenous to Earth do. You have to remember we're dealing with a, a, a creature here, both pre-flood and to a, an extent post-flood, that has angelic pedigree, trans-dimensional pedigree, if you will. They may not even decompose the same way that we do. Well, that's a good point. Now, we talked earlier about giants in America. Tell us uh, how widespread that might have been. Well, I think that the, uh, uh, the, the sort of um, the, the, the last-ditch attempt... Uh, by giants to to physically destroy the the bloodline of the Messiah uh, seems to center around the 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 old story of David and Goliath. Uh, 
you know, uh, Goliath was trying to. Oh, he was a giant, right? He was a giant. He was a giant, exactly. And uh, you know, about nine and a half feet tall, if we're to believe the the records. Um, but this was an, you know, his this was an attempt to uh, destroy the bloodline of Jesus because Jesus was related to David. He was in that bloodline. Would Would um, you say that the giants of that time, then that era, that they were evil? Because it sounds like they were. Uh, yeah, I think that that's part of the, you, you know, if you look at it like an anthropologist does, there are elements of their culture. In other words, you can trace, you know, like kinship and leadership and economy and, and uh, funerary rights and things like that. Well, these were madly politically ambitious people. You have to remember that, you know, according to people as as various as the Sumerians and the uh, the Maya on opposite sides of the world, Say that these things set them up as the god kings and founders uh, of their civilizations. And in fact, if you look at, at antique civilizations on both sides of the globe, they are almost without exception theocratic monarchies. In other words, this is a, a mimicry of what had been set up. You have only to think of, of the pharaohs, you know, who believed that they were gods on earth, or, or at least intermediaries of the gods on earth. Uh, that's a legacy that goes back to the Giants and the Watchers. Just unbelievable what might have happened on this planet many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Indeed. What is happening today in terms of current investigations to get this story out? Well, there there are... Uh, you have the good fortune of listening to a lot of that research firsthand. Uh, yes. You know, there are a lot of us who are actually doing... Uh, doing work on that. You know, I, I, you mentioned Steve Quill and uh, L.A. Marzulli. Marzulli's one of the Mike, best. Mike yeah. Kaiser. We just and lost we all, his partner, Richard Shaw, yeah, by the way. Yeah, Ri- Richard was a great guy. He was a big loss. I really liked him. I, I, got, I had the privilege of working on Watchers 4 and 6 with him. Um, yeah, we'll really miss him. Yeah. Um, at any rate, we all bring different tools to the table. You know, we bring di- none of us has a complete picture. We've all got different you know, methods of approach and analysis and whatnot, but I think we all bring different things to the table. And so, you know, the short answer to that is there, that there's fortunately a lot being done by some very qualified researchers these days, um, whether through the production of books or, or DVDs or, uh, you know, the, the occasional um, genetic testing, um, you know, some uh, you know low-key excavations that are taking place, and of course the the search through the mythological and historical record is is ongoing. Do you believe that these giants could exist on other planetary systems? Uh, I would not venture a guess uh, as to that. That would sort of be a little far field of my my area of expertise, but. Um, I, ostensibly, it's possible. You know, if, if there are are planets with biospheres. Uh, that could support them. Um, you, you would think that uh, uh, if the conditions are right for full genetic expression, that's one of the things that I always told my students when they asked about giants. Is, well, consider the, you know the size of megafauna and dinosaurs and things like that. If if, if the conditions are right, the oxygenation is right. I, I don't see why not. Well, look at the uh, dinosaurs. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, you, and th- these are largely quadrupedal, but uh, of course, even on our own planet in prehistory, we had large hominids such as the uh, uh, Gigantopithecus and um, I think some of the Denisovan specimens uh, were were pretty pretty tall as well. 
Leganthropus, I think, is another one. Did uh, d- during the era of Jesus, do you think he might have seen some of these giants? Um, well, he certainly. Again, if we're to believe that the that the demonic hierarchy, in part, even in part, was were these disembodied spirits of giants, he he at the very least dealt with them uh, directly on a regular basis. You know, a good chunk of his ministry was was dealing with people who were possessed by demons or demonized in some way. Um, you know, like I said, that word uh, akathartos, uh, un- unclean, is the word that's used for these demonic spirits. Um, in a direct way, uh, Jesus makes an interesting stop around AD 29 in the winter before his death at this site that I wrote my dissertation on, uh, Panaeus. It was then called Caesarea Philippi in his day. And this is right at the foot of Mount Hermon. And um, he makes some pretty interesting statements uh, in the face of this legacy of watchers and giants and demons. Uh, you know, he makes a public proclamation of his messiahship uh, and uh, the the passage about the Mount of uh, Transfiguration is, is just a few sentences away. That took place on Mount Hermon. Um, and Jesus establishes the church as the institution uh, that will combat this stuff in his wake. Now, this the location here is pregnant with meaning because to the, the West... You have land allotted to the apostate tribe of Dan. To the east, you have uh, a kingdom that once belonged to a giant named Og of Bashan. Uh, that had been, the name had been Latinized to Batania. Uh, and then you have Mount Hermon, uh, you know, ground zero, if you will, for the watchers and the giants. And so his disciples and, and almost anyone with an earshot would have understood uh, the significance of this backdrop, and he even uses a very interesting word for the establishment of, his, of, of the church. He, he says, I will establish my assembly, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He, the word he uses is ecclesia, and this harkens back not only to the Athenian assembly, but the assembly used during the Homeric age, and also uh, to the council of the Olympian gods. And so, in effect, what Jesus is doing is he's firing a shot over the bow of the enemy and saying, hmm. you guys have really messed up, you watchers and giants and spirits and demons. You bought the farm, and my assembly, in other words, he was knocking out the councils of the old gods, these false gods, the watchers, and replacing them with his assembly, the church. Do you also believe, Judd, that the... Uh, cooperation of uh, cooperating the giants uh, would really point out that the Bible was was accurate, and to me that's a huge story. Yeah, I, th- I do. I, re- I really believe that it, it, as much as the the kind of work that's done, you know, the paleographic and textual work that's done on the text of the Bible or archaeology or any sort of historical research. I, I, I think any sort of of evidence for the the various tribes of giants. And the Watcher legacy, of course, is going to add all kinds of historical veracity to the biblical narrative. I mean, look at it already. Uh, you know, archaeology, history, they, you know, they bear out almost on a daily basis uh, the historical veracity of the Bible. And certainly um, the, 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 the smoking gun evidence for, for giants and Watchers 
uh, would certainly validate that. And I think that that may have something to do with the suppression of that information that we were talking about earlier. You know, as we had the Edithals, Crobagnon, Homo sapiens, would would you categorize the giants as a separate species? I think so, and that, that brings up an interesting point. You know, one thing that we're kind of all doing, you know, implicitly, those of us who study the Watchers and the Giants, is we're sort of, uh, we, we implicitly work in a science of giantology. And, and yes, I think that that's, that's a, a valid question, uh, and it's one that I'm, I'm actually dealing with now and trying to articulate uh, a science of giantology. So, yeah. Uh, whatever taxonomy, you know, we apply to these things, you know, Homo gigantis or whatever, you know, there could be different subspecies too, like in, in the Americas, we might call them Americanus, or mm-hmm. in Asia, Orientis, or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think we're dealing with a, a, a you know, we, if we want to classify it in the language of science, I, I think it has its own taxonomy. These are species that we're dealing with. What question of giant research would you love answered, if you could get it answered? Oh, wow, George, I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> um, what question? Well, I, I, as I sort of wear the, the, the shoes of three different professions, archaeology, history, and anthropology. Right, but they all um, mend it together, they, don't they? They, they mesh do, together? They do. They, they're very related. They overlap. Uh, I would really like to see a complete articulated skeleton uh, of a giant in, in a, in a con- not not just the skeleton itself, but within the archaeological strata, archaeological context, uh, that would lead us to uh, to believe that it, it was in fact one of the giants. Now, and we get bits and pieces of stuff like that, like the um, I'm thinking of the Goliath shard that was excavated at Tel Es Shafi, uh, which was uh, biblical Gath, Goliath's hometown which bears the name Goliath. Now, again, that's not exactly a smoking gun, but it's compelling evidence that there was a Goliath. Now, if we had had Goliath's remains with that, oh, yeah. that, that would be fine. Yeah, to answer your question, that's the kind of evidence that I, and I think all of us in this game, would really want. I mean, I would love to see the skull of a 100-foot giant. Well, I mean, my yeah. gosh. Yeah, you and me both. And do you think the features would look like us? Well, that's interesting, too. You know, the morphological question is there. Um, I think uh, insofar as that they were hominid, um, that they've got part of the human genome in them, I think that they would look like that. But I think you'd have to account, you know, in terms of you just have to account for so many things. The the environment that they're in, um, the oxygenation of the the atmosphere, the kind of nourishment, the calorie intake that they're getting, you know, at an optimal level, um, you know, their musculature on their legs would probably be larger, you know, depending on the pull of gravity. You have, you have to factor in all of these sorts of things. My gosh, what did they eat? A whole a, a whole uh, cow? Well, um, probably herds of cows on, on a regular basis, uh, if you're talking about uh, pre-flood, but again, you, you've got to remember that even even the cows back then were bigger. You know, the uh, the aurochs cow oh, was huge, yeah. uh, on orders of magnitude larger than what we, what we're used to today. Uh, his shoulder, you know, probably hit the top of your door, um, you know, at, at your house. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.